0: 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Keep your Bible open, please, for he will be referring to it. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's pray again. Father, this is your word, it's not mine. And we pray, Lord, even at it, that you would take from my lips that which you would not have me to say. But yet, Lord, place in my mouth that which you would have me to say. Lord, for those who cannot open their hearts, will you open them? Will you help them? And for those, Lord, who have, Lord, been wearied, will you help them to see that everything is found at the cross? Every need is met. The place where your Son shed his blood and died. Lord, bring us back there again tonight. Bring us to the foot of that old rugged cross. Bring us, Father, tonight, each and every one of us together, yet even severally and individually, to the foot of the cross and help us to see afresh and anew the Lamb of God and His precious blood. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 23, Paul says, But we preach... Christ crucified. Notice, but we preach Christ crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says that he didn't come with an excellency of speech or great wisdom like the Greek philosophers, neither was he going to tell people. Fanciful stories like many of them would. He's not saying that he's going to tell them some fantasy fairy tale of a a champion rider who would come in and remove the Romans from Jerusalem and Judea, as the Jews would look for. But rather, he says, We're coming with a message. This message is the message that all have been waiting for. And this message is the message that changes time itself, that changes the eternal destiny of all who trust in Christ. That this message is the message that bring men and women from darkness into light, from sinners to saints. And this is where forgiveness is found. This is where the cleansing blood once and for all and never to be repeated again was shed. And all things, even religion of a religious temple and the ritualistic uh, ordinances offered are now all done away with. For all is found at the cross, the cross of Christ, where he shed his blood and died. Friend, if you want to find salvation, you will not find it in your church. And you will not find salvation in this church. You're not going to find it from this pastor or preacher, nor in any other pastor, preacher, pope, pontiff, or whoever else. It's all found at the cross in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't look anywhere else, for you will not find it. And it's only at the cross where men and women are reconciled back to God. That is, that we are estranged from God because of our sins have separated between us and God. And only there can you and I find that we are brought back into union and fellowship and reconciled again at the cross of Calvary where Christ Jesus shed his precious blood and died for you. Paul comes with this message, but we preach Christ crucified. The Jews, it's a stumbling block to you because you're looking for a champion. Here is the greatest champion, the one who came as a lamb and not the warrior. By the way, he's coming again as a warrior and not a lamb. The second coming, he comes upon, as it were, his white charger in Revelation 19 coming there with the Word inscribed upon him, the Word of God. And John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. And then he tells us in verse 14 of John chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice Christ came in full of grace. Christ came that you and I might be saved. Christ came and shed his blood and died that you and I would be cleansed and washed and forgiven. Listen, I'm not looking and I don't care what side of the this of northern Ireland you come from. It doesn't matter where you've come from, a Protestant background or a Catholic background or any other background. I'm not looking at the color of your skin or the size of the wallet you have, the amount of money All the Lord is looking for is for the blood of the Lamb. He's looking for the blood of Christ. Now, are you under the blood? Are you blood washed? Are you blood bought? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Paul comes. He says, look, I'm preaching Christ crucified. He says in chapter 2, I don't want to come and give you wisdom and, and tell you a fanciful story about a great knight who is going to come and he's going to wipe out the Roman Empire. I'm telling you how to be saved. I'm telling you to turn from your ways and from your idolatry. And I'm telling you, he says, it's all found at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul could debate with the best. Paul could debate with the best. Paul was a learned man. He sat under the feet of Gamaliel he had revelation then of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. And he spent three years in Arabia under that anointing of God, God revealing himself to him again and again and again to him. He had visions and he had dreams that he can't even speak about. He could have came and said, "Would I tell you about all of these to make you believe in Jesus? No, he didn't. He said, I want to tell you about the blood of the Lamb. I want to tell you about the Son of God. I want to tell you about His wonderful sacrifice. But we preach Christ crucified, he said. There's none other. There's none else. There's nothing else but Christ and Him crucified. Paul could stand his ground, you know. He withstood even Peter to his face. Paul could stand his ground. He was stubborn at times. He was stoic in his ways. There was nothing to turn him. He could have went in with brazen face, with a hardened forehead, and he could have said, now you listen. But he didn't. He preached Christ crucified. He preached the love of God found at the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. He preached the blood that was shed for our sins. He preached that there's only cleansing there. There's only remission there. He preached that Christ Jesus died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures? Paul's looking at the Old Testament and saying, he was the one who was spoken of before he ever came. Before there was a sinner on the earth in Adam, there was a Savior in heaven in Jesus. There was a Savior already in Jesus. Paul could argue his point that he was determined but he says, we preach Christ crucified. <laughs> there was three crosses. I think Rebecca mentioned that in one of those lines of that song. Between heaven, or up in the sky, between heaven and earth, there was one crucified between two thieves. And here, he didn't preach the thief on the left and the thief on the right. He didn't preach about one, and he got saved at the last moment. And look, let's all look at this man. Now he's a saint. He didn't preach anyone else. He preached Christ to them. He preached Christ. But all Paul wanted to do is to let people know of the glory that's found in the Son of God. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, listen to what he says. But God forbid that I should glory saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. See, here's two ways to look at this. First of all, Paul says, I have nothing to glory of. Paul, Paul the learned one, still nothing to glory of. Paul who sat under Camellia, I have still nothing to glory of. Paul who has visions and revelations, to me, I have still nothing to glory of. All I glory in is what Christ has done for me. All I can glory of, and all this man can glory of, and all you can glory of is what Christ has done has accomplished on Calvary's tree. What he did at Golgotha, the place of the skull, when he laid his head on a pulseless breast after crying, it is finished and it's pen and fool. And he gave up the ghost. Now, notice his life was not taken from him. He wasn't a victim. He was a sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. The old Pope says, not so long ago, Pope says that the crucifixion of Christ, that Christ failed at the cross. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, I refute that. Here and now I refute that. Christ was victorious on the cross of Calvary. Oswald Chambers once said, Listen, all of heaven is interested In the cross of Christ, hell, afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. Think about that. He's so true. Heaven is so interested in the cross of Christ. The prophets desire to know more. The angels desire to look into it. They can't understand it. Heaven, the very words of the name of Jesus, the very angels fold their wings in his glory. Hell trembles. It's a thunderbolt in the hell when you mention the powerful name of Jesus. It's a thunderbolt when we mention the cross of Christ and his precious blood. It's like a thunderbolt going through the very regions of the damned and the very Satan himself shakes and trembles at the name of Jesus because Christ destroyed him. Christ defeated him and Christ disposed of him. Of his power. All at the cross. Is it any wonder Paul comes and says, But we preach Christ crucified? You listen, see if someone comes, and, and I've had it many a time, and people have come, and there's been those who have been demonically possessed, and they come, and the old demon starts to rear his head. You don't need to be going, Get out of them, come out of them. Nonsense. Shaking the life out of them. The old devil will leave because you're shaking them too hard. It's nonsense. All you have to do is say, do you remember Calvary? Do you know about the blood? Some things that we could ask Oswald Chambers about. Why preach the cross? Why do we preach Christ crucified? We could ask ourselves it. But we'll ask the Apostle Paul it. Because he said it. Notice this. Let's take some points, and we'll see how we get on tonight. We'll look at maybe five points, see how we get on. They're all short, I think. But we preach Christ crucified, that is not just Paul, but you and I. We preach Christ crucified because it's the place where Satan's head was crushed. Number one. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and the Lord came down and found them out in their sin and clothed them and covered them, he turns to the old serpent, the devil, and he says unto him, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here was separation between God and man, but yet he says to the serpent, there's going to be someone comes from the seed of the woman who's going to crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. You see, the devil hates anything to do with God. That's why our nation's in the state it's in, because they hate anything to do with him. They want to live in their liberal lifestyles and they want to do their their liberal lifestyles. They want to live in all the things that they live with, all the sin and all the debauchery and all the rotten things that they get up to. Over 1,000 children have been molested by Asian pedophiles in England. Have you heard about it? Have you heard it about it in mainstream news all over the place? No, why? Because... The devil hates it and the media don't want you to know. Over a thousand of them, little children, and I believe some of them have disappeared and been murdered. Satan is trying to destroy not only the church, but he never can because Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> Glory. Notice this. The only time Satan could ever strike at God because God is infinitely greater is when he became like you and I and the word was made flesh. And he says, We've got him. <laughs> so he thinks. And the Jews cried for his death. And the Romans carried it out. But it was really for you and I that he did it. It was for you and I and for our sin that he did it. And here, his heel, his heel was bruised. That is the heel of God. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool, the place, as it were, where the feet of God were. That is, God extending himself in the person of his Son, the man of God in flesh. Hanging and dying and bleeding in agony on a tree. It's the only time that Satan could strike at him. And that's because God allowed it so that you and I might be saved. You see, Satan can try his worst. But God always does the best. God always does the best. Here we find that that was the striking of the heel of the serpent. But guess what? When Jesus was hanging on the cross in that great temple in Jerusalem, the curtain was rent from the top to the bottom, torn in two from the top to the bottom. Why? Because that which was done in Eden, now we can have a new and living way consecrated for us. We can go into the presence of God it was a great victory for you and I who are blood-washed and born of the Spirit. What a message to preach. We preach Christ crucified because there we were reconciled to oh, our Father because there we're forgiven of our sins. We preach Christ crucified. See the, the new uh, and living way, the consecrated the new and living way. Do you know, do you know what one of the the Greek translation is, it gives the idea of a freshly slain road. It's as though just this moment, this very second, every step that we take, the blood is as fresh as ever. It hasn't went still like bulls and goats and sheep and other animals. It's as fresh as ever in the very mind of God. And you and I are walking. The priest would have come covered in blood before the Father. David bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He would have slayed an animal and then another lot of pieces, slayed an animal and then slayed an animal the whole way and another and another and another and another the whole way into Jerusalem. And as they went walking, the blood was everywhere. It's all over their feet It was all up their, their robes and all up their garments and everybody was there, was covered in the blood. You know what would happen? When Jesus shed his blood and that veil was rent from the top to the bottom, every time you and I go into the place of prayer and of praise and into the place of glory, we're covered in the blood. We're covered in the blood of the Lamb. That's why we preach Christ crucified. Covered. In the blood. Secondly, we preach Christ crucified because it is the fulfillment of prophetic scriptures. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, it says, Unto him, Jesus, give all the prophets witness. When well, this one is come, Paul says, Listen, our prophets have spoken about him. Hundreds and hundreds of years they have pointed to him. From Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the seed of the woman. Here he is now. He's come in perfect form and manner without sin. (laughs) Here he is, all mightiness and flesh. We preach Christ crucified, he says, for he died for us. The prophetic scripture says he has come to ratify the new covenant. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, please. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. The Lord says, Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was in husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Where's God's law tonight? Where's God's word but written on our hearts? Where is he but living within us this very evening through the power of the Holy Ghost? He says, it's coming. Can you see everyone was waiting in Judah? Everyone is waiting. Do you know some, a lot of the, uh, there's certain sects of the Jewish people, they, they used to actually wear big pantaloon treasures. You know why? Just in case uh, the Messiah came. <laughs> they give birth and room. That's how far they some of them went. And Paul is now among them, and he's saying, listen, Forget your pantaloons. Forget it all. Behold, <laughs> Lamb of God, <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a one to get excited about. What a one to get excited about. Notice here, if you turn quickly and briefly with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, Notice what the writer says here in verse 18 to 25. For are not come unto the mount that might be touched with burning, burning with fire, but unto the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words, which the voice that they heard entreated, that the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Notice, you can go right into Exodus chapter 19 and, and then into 20 where the law and the, uh, uh, the commandments of God are given. In Exodus 19, God says, I'm going to marry Israel. And they'll be my bride, my people. Now notice this. He says, tell them not to come near the mountain because, you know, they're still separate from me. They're still in their sin. They can't come into my presence. You see, it's only by grace. It's only by grace. And I have something to tell you, friend. If you're not saved, you're coming to the worst in the mountain. (laughs) You're coming to that which cannot be touched nor entered into. You'll enter into the presence of God if you're not blood-washed and born again. You'll enter into his presence but with exceeding fear and quaking. And you will be cast into hell if you're not saved. (laughs) Not just a thing that's thrown through with a dart and killed. This will be eternal. For the man and woman that know not Christ. Now notice what he says then. Here comes the glory, here comes the grace. He says, But ye are come to Mount Zion. You know what he's saying here? In Moses' time, you're at Mount Sinai, the mountain of the law. But now you're in Christ. Know you are? You're at Mount Zion. You're at the place of grace. <laughs> You're at the place of the cross. You're at the place of blessing. You're at the place of forgiveness. This is where it is. Are you near Mount Zion tonight? Have you ever been, as it were, in the spirit to Mount Zion? Notice, you're come to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven to God, the judge of all the spirits of just men, made perfect. Notice, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. To the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, people think that's Abel's blood because Cain killed him and and Abel's blood speaks to God. Yes, God knew that Cain had killed Abel and his blood cried from the ground. But that's not what that means. means. It means Abel came with an offering of a lamb. He came, remember he cut the lamb's throat and and Cain came along with the offering of his work of his hands and the Lord rejected the work of his hands and he accepted what he said, the blood of the lamb. Well, what, what the Bible's telling us here is there's those of us who still think we can come with the offering of a little lamb, a little offering that's not Christ. It's not Christ. He says, that blood spoke then, but it won't speak now. Only the blood of my son, he says the mediator of the new covenant. So we preach Christ crucified because he ratified this new covenant that you and I, who could not touch the mountain, lest we be consumed, and you and I, who would stand in his presence lost at that day, that you and I might be saved and join the innumerable company of angels. Spirits of just men made perfect, that you and I could be in the church of the firstborn, that you and I might be in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. That's why Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. You know what? Men and women look for the champion, and men and women look for the philosophy of grace. Men and women look for the church and they look for the little offerings and the rituals that churches do week in and week out, and they come in and they clock their card and they go out, and they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. And the Lord says, Don't bring that. The ritual of the temple is done away with. You need to look at the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. See the man on the cross. The one in the center, he's all you need. He is all you need. And he is all his father will accept. Notice, thirdly, quickly, we preach Christ crucified because he gave himself up to death. He sacrificed himself. In 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Paul calls, it, calls him Christ, our Passover. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. Now, the thing about this is, is that in Passover, if you look up the word Passover, and I take it you're reading the proper translation of the scriptures, which is the KGV, if you look one of the more spurious sort of versions up, then you might not find the truth. In the King James Bible, you look it up, and this is what you'll find. You'll find that Passover is mentioned 29 times in the New Testament. 29 times. 28 times, it's the word Pascha, or for the Paschal Lamb. Pascha. And one time it's used in Acts chapter 12. Can't remember the verse. Acts chapter 12, it's used for the word Easter. So, isn't that strange? Yet yeah, we're Easter this, and we're Easter that, and we're Easter the other thing. So I prefer Passover because Easter comes from the word Ishtar. Ishtar was a goddess in Babylon. Like the Ishtar gate in Babylon. Notice this, once in their scriptures, it's just down as Easter, 28 times it's Pascha for Passover. Now notice, in the 14th day of Nisan was the first month of the new year of Israel. And that meant that they were set free from Egypt. So they had the Passover lamb that reminded them of the blood that was shed and sprinkled and put upon the doorpost the door lintels that night when the death angel passed through Egypt. The Lord says, I'm passing through. But when I see, what is it? Let the devil hear. When I see, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God's looking for the blood. God's looking for the blood. There's people that are offering God everything but the blood. There's people sitting in churches and they're hearing five ways to have a blessed day and then go home. And there's no blood. There's no blood in the preaching. There's no blood in the gospel. There's not even a gospel for them. I'm a bloody preacher. And I'll preach the blood. Can't get enough of it. And I know, listen, I know I'm not up to date. I know that I'm not up to speed with people. And I know people go and have their ears tickled all the want. And I know all of that. And I know I'm called that I'm, I'm a bit hard and I'm a bit too strong and I'm all of that sort of stuff. I know that. But I'm still not moving from the blood. We're not doing it. Here we find... That Nissan was when the blood was shed. you know when that is, by the way? You're sitting in it. March, April. Coming up to it. When they were set free through the blood. Is there anybody here bound? You see, we preach Christ crucified because you can be set free through the blood of the Lamb. You can be delivered through the blood of the Lamb. You're healed by the blood of the Lamb. You're forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. You're washed by the blood of the Lamb. So we preach Christ crucified. Addictions fall off through the blood of the Lamb. I came wounded and weary myself. I came full of the beggarly elements of the world, ravishing me, dying in my sin, full of drink and drugs, a drunkard. And guess what? I was healed, and I was washed, and I was forgiven through the blood of the Lamb. And so were you. So we preach, Christ crucified. Christ crucified. John the Baptist cries in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world or bears away our sin in his own body. This is him. This is the one the prophet spoke of. To him give all the prophets witness. To Jesus. Who else would we preach? Who else can we preach but Christ and Christ alone? Notice Genesis 22, and verse 8, we have the story of Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain to slay him. Isaac, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Your only son whom you love. A picture of Christ and his father. Take him up the mountain and offer him up for a burnt sacrifice to me. It wasn't just cut his throat and let his blood flow out. It was cut his throat, let his blood flow out. He says, then set fire to the altar and burn him to a crisp. But, Lord, you said in Isaac, shall I seat be called? <laughs> this is my son here. No, he says, Lord, you've said it. I believe it. So then that'll settle it. I'm going to go here and offer my son. Sure. This is a picture of Christ. And coming up, there's the, the wood on Isaac's back. There's the fire in their hands. And Isaac says, Father, here's the wood. Here's the fire. But where's the sacrifice? <laughs> Poor old Isaac. <laughs> there's an Isaac there. Look, Poor Isaac. <laughs> Listen to what Abraham says. Genesis 22 and 8, he says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Now, I notice he didn't say God will provide for himself a sacrifice. No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say God will provide for himself. He says, son, God will provide himself for a sacrifice. Oh, God provided himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. It was a new year for Israel under the blood, and it can be a new beginning for whosoever comes under the blood. Listen to what it says in Revelation 5 and verse 6. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and of the elders, Midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Notice, this lamb has seven horns. That's some, something to think about. Really, this means his omnipotence. He is the Almighty. The man, the lamb, is the Almighty. He has seven eyes, which means he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And he has seven spirits. That means that he is omnipresent he is the almighty all-knowing omnipresent spirit of god <coughs> wrapped and veiled in flesh. flesh so we preach christ crucified because he says he looked to see alarm alarm has been slain it stood alarm was alive but it had the wounds <laughs> do you know in heaven there's alarm standing as though it had been slain the resurrected Christ with the wounds in his hands and his feet and his riven side. Do you know what he's doing? He's now in the office of a great high priest (laughs) interceding for you and interceding for me until his second coming. There for me, the Savior starts. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. Oh, God is love I know I feel. Jesus lives and loves me still. So we preach Christ crucified Because he is the center of glory. (laughs) He is the center of glory. Do you know, we hear of golden streets, we hear of pearly gates, and rivers of clear crystal waters, and we hear of beasts, and we hear of elders. And we hear of different angels and their different ranks and authorities, cherubims and seraphims and all the glories and the wonders of heaven. You know something isn't beautiful, but listen. See, every time I hear it, it's lovely, but all I'm looking for is Jesus. (laughs) In the center of it all is the Son of God. Everything revolves around him. And on the cross of Calvary, the Father looks upon his Son at the river, he says, "This is my beloved. This one here, he's my beloved son. It's the he is my Agapitus, weas, son. my fully grown beloved one, and whom I'm well pleased." And they took him and nailed him to the tree. So we preach Christ crucified. Because when he went to the grave, the father says, Son, see what you've done. I'm so well pleased. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead was the father's amen to his that is finished on the cross. It is finished, Father. And he, he, he gives up the ghost and dies. He goes to the grave and the father goes, Amen, son. On the third day and he rises from the dead. Oh, what a Christ. What a God. What a Savior. Yes, he's the center of glory. Listen, in Revelation 15, and verse 3, the redeemed of the Lord, it says, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thy King of saints. Notice, this isn't two songs, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, it's one song. You see, the scripture, the canon of scripture, Old and New Testament, we're not New Testament believers. We're not Old Testament believers. In here, we're Old Testament believers. We believe in all the 66 books of the canonized word. The Song of Moses, here's the law. Song of the Lamb, here's the grace of God. Here is what we read in Hebrews 12. Here is Mount Sinai. And then here is Mount Sinai. Calvary! <laughs> Notice, uh, one song is God's law shows his holiness, but God's law then shows our wretchedness. How wretched you are without Christ. God's grace shows his love, and that is the song of Christ, shows his love and it shows his forgiveness. But the law... It says, Moses was the servant. Here he administers. The servant administers. And yet in grace, the Son comes to save. The law demands, the law demands justice. You've broke the law. Demands justice. Christ comes. And he provides forgiveness. So we preach Christ crucified. Listen, this is what I wrote, had written when I was writing this this week. i just seen it and I thought that how even John says, he says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'm looking at the lamb that was slain, now risen again. Listen, the lamb and the song of the lamb, this is what I'd written. One simple line, the only answer to the law is the lamb. It's the law. We preach Christ crucified because He alone could pay our debt. Romans 5 and 6 When we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't it great that it doesn't say Christ died for those who were doing well? Those who were so holy and righteous. He died for the worst. The vilest of sinner who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Notice this. The idea is the inability of ourselves to save ourselves is that God came to do it for us. And in Romans 5 and verse 8, he then says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The word commendeth here, it's the word synistema, Or synisteme, and it means uh, he exhibited his love, he proved his love, and he presents his own love in its true and unmistakable character at the cross. It gives the idea commendeth means to stand with. God's love proved exhibited. Listen, God's love stood with me even though I didn't know him. God's love stood with you even though you, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. God's love stood with us even through our failures and our faults. God's love stands. You know why? Because there's power in the blood of the Lamb. That's why we preach Christ crucified. It's all in him and us, none of us. It's nothing to do with us. I'm going to bust a blood vessel here. I'm going to have to behave myself. I can't help it. You know, and I think where he saved me from, where he brought me from. You think where he saved you from, the pit of despair he's lifted money out of. Oh, how come I not praise him tonight, brothers and sisters? How come I not give him the glory? Uh, for an example, Romans 16 and 1, Paul writes, I command unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Cenchreae." The idea here is Paul says, I vouch for her. I stand with her. I may not be right beside her now as you see, but I may as well be because I am vouching for her. And that's the same God commandeth his love toward us. <laughs> but while we were yet sinners, he says, I'm vouching for him that my son has shed his blood 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Before there was a sinner in Adam, my son knew he was, was going to die for him. Going to die for her. He stood with me. He stood with you. Friend, don't reject what he's done for you. Folks, I better hurry up here because time's gone. We preach Christ crucified lastly because he is the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word, does not it? But it's a wonderful meaning. It means... He is our mercy seat, our substitute sacrifice. He is our expiation of our sins. He, he's the one who makes amends and puts things to right. <laughs> it gives the idea, let me just put it very briefly for you like this, propitiation, and, and I think I've maybe said this either in here or in a mission I've taken once before that, excuse me, that, that it's like standing at a dam, if you can imagine the dam you're at the bottom of the dam and there's the great wall and all the billions and trillions of gallons of water is behind that dam imagine that dam being say a thousand feet high Let's make it ridiculous. Let it be a thousand feet high and let it be a thousand feet to the left and a, th- a thousand feet to the right and let it be uh, so far you can't see the end of it nor could you run it nor travel it and suddenly right at the very foot of that dam you see a great big crack coming down the dam and the dam is starting to bend for the pressure of the water is coming. You see, that's like the wrath of God. You know what's holding back the wrath of God? Grace and mercy. The love of Christ. And you're there and you're saying, I'm going to run for this dam. is starting to leak. It's going to burst. And you know if you start running that way for a thousand miles or that way, you're never going to make it. There's no way that you can escape it. And suddenly the dam breaks and all the water comes pouring out. Trillions and billions of gallons of this water and suddenly as you're about to be overcome with the wrath of this water a great big chasm opens up in the ground and swallows every gallon and every liter and every pint and every drop and right at your foot it all disappears there's not one drop on your shoe that's propitiation the blood of Christ the wrath of God is about to be poured out but you're trusting in him and He and his blood is like that chasm. He took it on the cross. <laughs> he says, "Father, I'll take it for him. I'll take it for her. And there's not one drop of God's wrath or judgment will be upon me because I'm so great. no, because he's so great, and because he' done it all. <laughs> He took the fullness, listen, the fullness of the wrath of God for each and every one of us when he hung on the cross of Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cries, as the sky turns black, the wrath of God's judgment on him. Is it any wonder heaven wants to know about it? Is it any wonder? Hell is afraid of it. And yet man wants to know nothing of it. Brothers and sisters, I must close. Scriptures tell us, 1 John 2 and 2, that he is a propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4 and 10 tells us here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He he knew what was ahead of us, and he sent his son to die. Why? That you might be saved. (laughs) That we might be saved. So Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. He preached the person. He preached the penalty, and he preached the power. He preached Christ, the person. He preached the penalty, the wrath of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he preached the power. He says in 1 Corinthians 1 and in verse 23 for our final reading. But we preach Christ crucified. Then after I run down to the next verse, he says that Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God. The Jews, you're looking for the power, he is the power. The Greeks, you're looking for the wisdom. He is the wisdom. It's found at the cross. So we are preaching Christ and Him crucified. There's no other message, brothers and sisters, for the salvation of the soul. I trust we all know Him. I trust we're all saved. May God bless each and every one of you tonight. This is a bank holiday weekend, and look at the turnout tonight. It's fantastic. But you know what? God, He is in this place. And Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The Lord bless us all.